also to have uh, John and Esther with us. They're playing hooky from their church. And uh, so they came to our church. They've been visiting with us this week. They'll be heading back home tomorrow. Uh, but they've been visiting with us some this week. And so I told John, I said, since you're going to be in town... Why don't you preach for us? And he said he'd be glad to do that for us. And so, but, you know, but when you have your own church, your folks don't let you go away and preach for other people very much, you know. And uh, so he's glad to have him here. And so I told him, I said, I normally said at the desk, you can preach behind the pulpit. We'll get you a podium, you know, whatever you want to do. And he said, I want to try sitting at a desk. And so this will be a first for him. But he said he wanted to give that a try. And so, John, you come on and share with us what the Lord's given to you. Psalm 107, we'll be there in just a few moments tonight. I've had several people ask me how the church is doing, so I'm just going to give you a quick update on what's happening and uh, what has happened since we've been there. Um, we went When we went there, we moved in July. We moved in in July of this past year. And when we moved, we almost doubled the attendance with our family of three. We went from five to eight when we moved in. And so um, we, that was encouraging. We was like, look, we're already doing good stuff. But uh, um, over the last several months, God has blessed the church, and we have continued to see steady growth. Um, not that numbers are everything, but every number is a soul. And so we want, our, we want the numbers to grow. We do. Um, not so that we can boast in our numbers. And I tell the church this all the time, almost weekly. I say we want to grow not because we want to have the largest church in Hillsville, but we want to grow because the larger the church, the bigger impact we can have. Uh, the more souls that we get into the pews, then the more souls we have made a difference in for eternity. And so I tell them this, and, and we have seen God do a tremendous work. We've uh, almost on a weekly basis, it, it's... It's very sporadic that we do not have visitors in the church service with us. We have visitors almost every single week. Next Sunday, or this coming Sunday, actually January the 1st, we will be adding our first member since we've been there. So we're going to add a member. And our attendance is around 20 on a weekly basis now. And so uh, the church is growing slow and steady, and we're seeing progress, and God is uh, working. The church has unified in a tremendous way around us. Obviously, whenever a new pastor steps in, there's going to be things that change just because of preference and, and different ways of doing things. And so I told him that up front. I said, I'm not my grandpa. And so there will be some, some things that change. And they said, okay. And so we took the church and things have changed. And I'm not, I'm not a radical by any means, but we, we have changed a few things and the church has just unified around us. And I supported everything that we've done, and the Lord has just blessed. And, you know, when you when you go into a situation like that, you're thinking, I have this ideal, right, that this is, would be perfect if this is how it all played out. And really it's played out even better than that picture I had before we moved. And so God has blessed us tremendously, and we're so excited to be doing well, what God has called us to do in Hillsville. And we thank you. I thank you for your support, your friendship. Uh, we, get the, we get this monthly support every month, and we... Really appreciate that, but more than that is the friendship and the prayers. Um, God will provide the money. I'm not so worried about the money. Um, but uh, knowing that there's people back home praying for you and that you have friends that you can call and be encouraged with, that means everything to us. And so thank you all so much for your friendship, and thank you for the opportunity tonight.
to be here and to speak to you, and I'm looking forward to it. If you have any questions, I probably don't have the answer, but you can, we can talk about it, and uh, I love to talk about what God's doing and give Him the praise, and so uh, feel free. We'll, we'll talk all night if you want to, and um, God has just been so good to us, and we're so blessed and excited for the future to see what God's going to do. I have big dreams and a big vision, and me and Esther was just talking this week about our 20-year vision. Where do we see the church in 20 years? And then trying to figure out, okay, if that's where we want to be in 20 years, what does that mean we have to do in 2023? And making some goals and uh, trying to move in the direction God wants us to go. Um, so we're excited and looking forward to what God's going to do, and I'm glad that we have you to partner with as we do it. And so thank you so much. We're in Psalm 107 tonight. I'm just going to give you a simple outline I want you to think about. I think it will be encouraging to you. What is one thing that God desires from you and I? Um, some people might say he wants your money. Other people might say he wants your service. But I, I think I'm going to submit to you tonight that more than all of that, the most important thing that you and I can give God is our praise, our worship. Uh, God does not need your money. Even though if you use it for his honor and glory, then he will bless you. God does not need your service. There's plenty of people who can fill in the gaps, and God will find a way to accomplish his will. He doesn't need your service. So I do believe that if you are faithful, he will bless your faithfulness. But what God does desire is for you and I to worship him, to praise him. Isn't that not why we were created? That's the whole purpose for mankind being created and put in the Garden of Eden was so that man and God could have fellowship. We could worship him. We could praise him. And, and I think more than anything else, what God wants is that his people praise him. So then I ask you the question tonight, what do we praise God for? And your mind is probably, just at that question, you begin, your mind begins to go a million different ways, right? You have so many things in your life that you could praise God for. And I, I suppose that tonight, if we took the rest of this evening and just said, I'm, I'm done teaching, we're just going to have testimony time. We'll just praise God for things. I, I guess that we could spend the rest of the time and probably more just praising God for what he's done in our life. And this evening, I want us to just piggyback off of those thoughts. What's already in your mind, the things that you've already been thinking about, the things that you have to praise God for, we're going to piggyback off of those. And I'm going to give you from Psalm 107 six powerful promises to praise God for. Six powerful promises, and there's many others that we could look at. Um, but this evening, we're just going to look at these six promises that we can praise God for. The outline tonight is an acrostic for the word praise. So, so keep up. It's six things. The word praise has six letters, so each, each thing that we're going to praise God for tonight will match that letter. And so we'll make this acrostic for the word praise, hopefully make it easy for you to remember um, going forward. Six powerful promises to praise God for. Psalm 107 is the text, and I don't plan on being long tonight, so let's just read the whole chapter. The Word of God is wonderful, so let's just read everything tonight. And uh, it's a little bit lengthy, but I think that'll be okay. You follow along as I read. We'll begin in verse number 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. 
Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Would you do this with me tonight? Would you read verse 8 aloud with me? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfieth the longing soul, and filleth the hungry soul with goodness, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God, and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor, they fell down, and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death, and brake their bands in sunder. Would you read verse 15 with me out loud? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he hath broken the gates of brass, and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Fools, because of their transgression, and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of me, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. He sent his word, and healed them, and delivered them from their destructions. Let's do it again on verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving, and declare his works with rejoicing. They that go down to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven, they go down again to the depths, their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wits' end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad, because they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. One more time, verse 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turneth rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. He turneth the wilderness into a standing water and dry ground into water springs. And there he maketh the hungry to dwell that they may prepare a city for habitation and sow the fields and plant the vineyards which may yield fruits of increase. He blesseth them also, so that they are multiplied greatly, and suffereth not their cattle to decrease. Again, they are minished, and brought low through oppression, afflicted, and sorrow. He poureth contempt upon princes, and causeth them to wander in the wilderness, where there is no way. Yet setteth he the poor on high from affliction, and maketh him families like a flock. The righteous shall see it, and rejoice, and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Whoso is wise, and will observe these things... Even they all understand the loving kindness 
of the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word and the lessons that we can learn from it. I pray that you would help us in the next few minutes as we try to glean just some practical lessons from your word. I pray that you would help us to leave this place tonight full of praise for who you are and for what you have done. Help me as I communicate your word tonight. Help me to do it accurately and correctly. And we'll be sure to give you the praise for all that you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm 107 is really a, it is, no, it's really just a call for praise, specifically to those who have been redeemed by the Lord. That is, those who have been saved. It is a call for those who have accepted Christ to praise God. The psalm is really nicely broken down. It's broken into four sections. I'm going to give you the outline for the psalm. This is not our outline for tonight, but you might want to go back and study it later. So we're going to, I'm going to give you the four sections of the psalm if you want to put those in your notes. In verse 4 through 9, we find God's deliverance in the desert. God's deliverance in the desert. That's verse 4 through 9. In verses 10 through 16, we find God's deliverance from darkness. God's deliverance from darkness. Specifically in the text, it's referring to a prison, a dark place in life. That's verse 10 through 16. In verses 17 through 22, you find God's deliverance from disobedience. God's deliverance from disobedience. And aren't you thankful tonight that even when we mess it up and we disobey and we make mistakes, God is there to deliver us from our own mistakes He's there to rescue us from our own disobedience. All it takes is us with a repentant heart coming back to him. And he's always there to bring us back on board and rescue us. That's verses 17 through 22, God's deliverance from disobedience. And then the last section is uh, verse 23 through 32. And that is God's deliverance from disaster. Uh, specifically in the context, it is a storm that the sailors find themselves in. And God delivers them from the storm. So God's deliverance from disaster. I'm going to walk through the psalm, and we're going to give you the six powerful promises to praise God for that make up the acrostic for praise. But we're going to move quickly through the psalm. And as you can probably already tell, this is a lengthy psalm, and it, has, it is packed full of good stuff. So what you should do is go tonight or in the morning during your devotion time, and you should go back through this psalm and read it again, read it two or three times. And do it with that outline in front of you and see if you can glean some more stuff from it, even in addition to what we look at tonight. So let's look at Psalm 107 tonight and highlight God's goodness and His deliverance. Six powerful promises to praise God for. Are you ready? Number one, His provision. Number one is His provision. If you would look at verse number nine, the Bible says, For He satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. God provides 100% of the time, without exception, God will provide for his children. The Bible says in Psalm 37, verse number 25, I have been young, and now am, I, and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. God will provide for his children. You'll remember the context, okay? If you remember that four-point outline, verse 9, we're still in the desert. We're in the desert. We're in the, in, in the desert. I've never actually been in a desert uh, for any length of time, but I've seen pictures of them, and I can assume based on what I know 
from a, about a desert that if you're in a desert for any length of time, you're in a dry place, a barren place, um, a place where there is really not a lot to look at, or if you can look at it, it's probably not friendly, and uh, it's going to eat you before you eat it, right? The desert is a place where you really feel alone, and, and, and you're dried up. Have you ever felt that way in your soul? Like your soul was in a desert. I go to church and I listen to the preaching and I sing the songs and, and maybe even I keep up with my daily devotions, but it's just not as rich as it used to be. I feel like my heart is dried up. It's not that I don't love God. I do love him and I do want to seek him and I do want to be a good Christian and I do want to do the things that God has, has commanded me to do because I love him, but it just doesn't have the same zeal or the same passion that it used to. Can I comfort you tonight with Psalm 107, verse 9? For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. If your soul is hungry, if your heart is longing, then all you have to do is spend enough time with the word of God and you will find comfort. You will find encouragement. God provides for his children. And a lot of times when we talk about the provision of God, we like to talk about it in a physical sense. And I think there's an application there. I think you can, you can preach to uh, God providing for his children physically. But I think more than that is God provides for his children spiritually. He comforts your heart when nothing else can. He encourages you when no one else understands. He's there for you. He provides for your heart each and every day. God will fill the hungry with his goodness. He will satisfy the longing soul. But we must be willing to let him. It, it's our job to allow him to, to comfort us. It's our job to allow him to encourage us. Oftentimes in life, we like to push away the very thing we need the most. And if we would, we would sit down and just spend some time with the Lord, or, or here's a good idea, and I do this often, take a walk. You don't even have to read the Bible. Just take a walk with God and talk to Him and pray and say, here's my heart. Here's what I'm longing for. Here's what I desire. And you'll hear a still, small voice in that moment when you don't have no distractions, and He'll say, I am here, and I've never left, and I've got the storm, and I'm in the desert with you. In Psalm 23, David is talking about Psalm 23. You remember he walks through the valley of the shadow of death in Psalm 23? That's a barren place. That's a dry place. That's a desert place. And what does God say? I've prepared a table for you. Just like this, I've prepared a table for you in the middle of that dry place where you can be enriched and comforted and encouraged, but you got to sit down. You're going to have to sit down and spend some time with me. You can't just walk by and say, yeah, it looks good. I'm glad that you've prepared the table, but I've got enemies to fight today. The passage says in the middle of the enemies, in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the desert, there's a table prepared for you to sit down and be enriched and comforted and encouraged. The person who allows God to fill their life is a person who will have an abundance to praise God for. You'll always have something to praise God for when you allow him to fill your life. Number one, we notice God's provision. Number two, we can praise God not only for his provision, but for his redemption. We praise him for his redemption. Look at verse number two. The passage says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Psalm 107 is written to the nation of Israel. 
And there's some speculation as to the exact setting of the psalm. Where did it, when was it exactly written? What date? And there's two primary views that I found. The first one is that it was written as a psalm of praise for God's deliverance in getting the nation of Israel out of Egypt. So they're in bondage in Egypt. God delivers them from that bondage and brings them out. And Psalm 107 was a testimony of God's deliverance in that event. The other time that it could have been written was in a similar situation. The nation of Israel finds themselves again in bondage to the nation of Babylon. And God again delivers them from bondage from Babylon. And Psalm 107 could have been written as a testimony of God's deliverance in delivering them from Babylon. Either place that it's written, I don't think we need to argue about it because it's the same situation. Uh, it's, it's the same set of circumstances. And regardless of which time it was written for, the purpose for its writing remains the same. It was written as a testimony to God's deliverance. And either way, we know that the nation of Israel had been delivered. The nation of Israel wanted to praise God for delivering them from physical bondage. And here's the principle that carries over from that time to this time. If you are saved tonight, then you were once in bondage. But tonight you are no longer in bondage because you have been, here's the word in the passage, redeemed. You have been delivered from the bondage of sin and now you live by grace. And grace in the New Testament, according to the Apostle Paul, grace is liberty. Grace is freedom. Because when we live in Christ, we have liberty in Christ more than any other human on the face of this planet. They don't understand that, and it's hard to explain that to someone who hasn't been in church and hasn't been discipled. But it's true. In grace, in Christ, we have liberty and we have freedom because we have been delivered from the bondage that we once found in sin. And so tonight, if you need something to praise God for, here's a great thing to praise God for. Praise Him for saving you. Praise Him that He delivered you. You have been redeemed. Verse 2 again, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. There's an enemy out there, and He once had you captive, but tonight He does not. And that is something to shout about. That's something to say amen about. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Tell somebody about it. Be excited about it. Praise the Lord for it. He's redeemed me. He set me free. I was once a captive. The song says, I once was blind, but now I see. I once was in bondage, but I am no longer in bondage. If you need to praise the Lord tonight, praise Him for His redemption. And I'll just mention, I know it's Wednesday night and we're, most of us in here have a testimony, but if you have never been redeemed, then you will find it very hard to praise God for anything until you get that settled. You won't be able to find joy. You'll always feel dry and barren if you've never been redeemed. So that's the first step. If you want to praise the Lord, you have to first be redeemed, and that's where we start. And once you're redeemed... It just begins to snowball at that point, and you begin to see God's blessings in your life, and the praises just begin to flow out. But first, you must be redeemed. Let's continue on. First of all, we notice that we can praise God for His provision. Second of all, for His redemption. Now, number three, notice that we can praise Him for His availability. We praise Him for His availability. I'm going to read four verses. First of all, notice verse number 6. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, 
and he delivered them out of their distresses. Look at verse number 13. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Look at verse number 19. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. And then notice verse 28. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth out them out of their distresses. You notice the theme, right? It's the same verse. It's the same context. It's the same thing. God is delivering his people. In each of these verses, God is available for two things. God is available to hear, and God is available to help in all four of those verses. He is available to hear you, and he is available to help you. God is always available to hear and help his children. Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3 says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, therefore will we not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the seas, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world around me. These things are going to take place. The earth will shake. It will seem like mountains are falling. The earth may be chaotic around me. But God is my refuge and strength. No matter what I find myself going through in life, I have a Father who is available. He is near me. He will listen at any time of day or night. I can pause and pray and He will listen. He is here to hear me. He's available to listen to me. But not only does he listen. As humans, a lot of times we can either help or we can listen. But sometimes, at least in my life, I find it very difficult to be able to do both. I, I, can, I can listen to you and maybe I can give you a comforting word, but it's not in my power to change your situation. Or maybe I can change something. And so if I can change it, a lot of times I'm quick to offer the solution and I don't listen to the problem. God can do both. He will listen to you. He will hear you. And then he will say, let me help you with that. Now, God will not always take the situation away. He doesn't. And we wish he would, don't we? A lot of times we wish that God would just remove us out of the difficulty or remove the difficulty from our life. But watch this. In the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, the three Hebrew children were thrown into the fiery furnace. Did God take away the fire? Did God take them out of the furnace? Not immediately. But what did he do? He got in the furnace with them. And he said, I'm here to listen. And I'm here to help. I'm comforting you. And in the end, God did deliver them. And it was a great testimony to the power of God. God will go through the fire with you. He will be there to listen. He will be there to help you. And when you cry out to him, he may not immediately take you out of the problem. He may never take the problem away. But as long as there is a situation there is a God to walk through it with you. And you never have to go through it alone. He is a very present help in time of trouble. The earth can be removed. The mountains can be destroyed. The waters will roar. The earth will shake. But in the midst of the chaos of life, I do not have to fear because my helper is near. God is available with me. He's right there with me through it all. And if you need something to praise the Lord for tonight, Praise him that he's close to you. Have you ever felt like God is distant from you? And a lot of times it's often in those dry places, in those barren places. God, where are you at? Why are you not close? Why, where are you? Why have you left me? 
Sometimes God's presence is so real in my life, and I can feel Him. I, I get in my devotions or I spend time in prayer, and I can feel the presence of the Lord, and it's just amazing. It's wonderful. I wish I could live there all the time. But there are other moments in my life when I do the same prayers or I, I have the same passion. I read the same passage of Scripture, and I don't hear anything. I don't feel anything. God, where are you? Can I give you something to think about tonight? Could it be that in those moments where you feel like God is distant, that God is still there, but has removed the essence of his presence in order to test your faith? He's still with you because he says he'll never leave you. So he's still there. He's got to be there. But he has taken away the essence of his presence to see if you will trust him when you cannot feel him? Will you still trust him when you don't have the emotion? Will you still trust him when the tears don't come to your eyes? Will you still seek him when you cannot feel him immediately? I think oftentimes in our life, God simply takes a step back and says, how desperate are you? How, how long will you pray? How long will you seek my face? Now, he's there, and he's with us, and he will comfort us, and he will never put more on you than you are able to handle with his help. He won't put you through something that you can't go through trusting on him. And he will go with you if you will trust in him. But sometimes I think God likes to see, hey, I'm here, and I'm your father, and I love you, and I'm going to comfort you, but will you trust me when you cannot feel me? As humans, we get so wrapped up in emotions, especially as Christians. And I'm going to tell you, it's my dad's fault, but I'm an emotional guy, okay? I am an emotional guy. But sometimes the emotion just doesn't come. God, where are you at? Why have you left? Why are you not moving? He said, I'm here. Will you keep praying, though, just because you can't feel me? Or are you basing your spirituality on your emotions and you need to feel an emotion in order to be spiritual this is the problem I'm gonna get in trouble this is the problem with the contemporary church it's all an emotion and when the emotion isn't there then Christianity isn't real anymore I'm gonna tell you something my Christianity is deeper than my emotions and I need something to praise God for tonight I'm gonna to praise him that he's available to me when I feel him or when I don't, I know he's near because he said he would never leave. And sometimes it's just going to take me spending a little more time on my knees. Sometimes it's going to take just a little more time in the word. Sometimes it's going to take just another prayer. And the next prayer could be the one that brings breakthrough. But I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to stop hoping because my helper is very, very near. Tonight, we're looking at these six powerful promises to praise God for we can praise him for his provision. We can praise him for his redemption. We praise him for his availability. Number four, we praise him for his instruction. We praise him for his instruction. Look at verse seven. And he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Aren't you glad tonight that God does not simply say, figure it out yourself? Aren't you glad that God is there not only to hear and to help, but he's there to guide? 
The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you don't know where to go next, get in a quiet corner, pick up your Bible, and start reading. And before long, you will find peace in a direction. God will speak to us through his word. His word is a lamp. It guides us. It lights up the next step. It shows us what to do and where to go, what not to do, where not to go. There's a song written by George Young. It says this, In shady green pastures, so rich and so sweet, God leads his dear children along. Where water's cool flow bathes the weary one's feet, God leads his dear children along. Some through the waters, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood, some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. He leads his children along. God will make a way. He will show you the way that you are to go, what direction you need to take, the situation you're in and you don't know how you'll figure it out. God will give peace and he will make a way through it. You know how? Through his word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Christianity is not a mystical religion really at all. It's really simple. We like to overcomplicate it, but Christianity is really simple. You go to the book and the book guides your way. That's really, a, it's pretty simple. This is a living word. It's alive and it speaks to you as something that is alive. It's not dead. It wasn't written by a man. It was written by God, and it has the breath of God in this book, and it will lead you each step every day, the next step that you need to take. God will reveal it to you. A lot of times I've found in my life, and maybe you can relate, I've found in my life that when I don't know what to do, oftentimes it's because I've not done what I know to do. When I don't know what to do, it's because I've omitted from my life the things I know to do. For instance, when I don't know where to go and I don't know how to deal with a situation, it's probably because I haven't spent as much time in the Word as I should have. And, and maybe you can relate to that. That's what I found in my life. And when I get back to doing the things I know to do, then God begins to reveal to me the answers to the things that I don't know. He instructs his children. And I'm thankful tonight, and I praise him that he didn't just send me out here to figure this whole thing out on my own. I'm a pastor now, and I didn't think I would say that at 24 years old, but I am. And I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> but God said, I'm going to lead you each step. You do what you know to do today. You don't know what's on the future. You don't know what my plans are. You don't have to. You don't need to. I've got that taken care of. You do what you need to do today. You live where you need to live today. You worry about the things you need to worry about today, and I'll take care of the future for you. He's going to guide you. He's going to direct you. He's going to instruct you. Number five, we praise him for his safety. We praise him for his safety. I'm going to read several verses. Look at verse number 23. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount in the heaven, they go down again to the depths, their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man or and at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. 
Then are they glad because they be quiet, so he bringeth them into their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. I want to I draw your attention to two different sections of verses in that section that we just read. I'm going to break it into two different parts. I want you to notice. First of all, look at verse 29 through 30. He says, He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad, because they be quiet. So he bringeth them into their desired haven. Okay, in, in this section of the psalm, if you go back to our four-point outline, the breakdown of the psalm, we're, you'll find that we are in the middle of the storm in verse 23 through 32. We're in the storm. We're at sea. We're, we're, we're at a storm of life is the picture. And verse 29 and 30, verse 29 says, He maketh the storm a calm. And then verse 30 said, And they are glad because the storm's quiet. The waves are quiet. It's, it's calm now. And I want you to know, if you need something to praise God for tonight, praise Him that He calms storms. He calms the storms of life when the waves are high, when the wind is strong. He will come and He will calm the storm. But notice the verses before that. And this is the one that we have such a problem with. Look at verse 25. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth the waves up. They mount to heaven, they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. We really love it when God calms the storm. We don't love it so much when he causes the storm. But that's what he does in verse 25. He caused the storm. And then in verse 29, he will calm the storm we, we love to look at God as the calmer of the storm, and we praise Him for that. And I am thankful that God will come, and He will calm the storms of life, and He gives peace that passes all understanding, as Paul said in Philippians. And it's wonderful. I'm so thankful that He calms the storms. This one's a little harder to say, though. I'm also thankful that He causes storms. I'm thankful that He brings the right storm into my life at the right time because He's molding me and making me into the person that I need to be, the person he created me to be. Sometimes storms come and we don't understand and their purpose is to make us the Christian that we need to be. Sometimes they're to test faith. Sometimes we never know what their meaning is or their purpose is. But God causes them and then in his time he calms them. And I'm thankful that he calms the storm. And I'm also thankful that sometimes he causes the storm because he knows me better than I know myself. I think I know me. <laughs> but I really don't know me all that well. But God does. He made me. He created me. He formed me. He has a purpose for me and a plan for me. And my prayer is that I would accomplish his purpose. Now, that's a dangerous prayer because he knows what the purpose is and he sees how far away I am from it. And he said, well, if you really want that, I'm going to have to bring some storms into your life to get you into my purpose. And it's hard for a Christian to sit back and say, okay, bring on the storms. Now, here's the great news, and we've already talked about this. When God causes a storm, he goes through it with you. He's there with you. He, he walks through it with you. But he does cause them. And then he will deliver you. He will calm it. All storms have an end. God will get you through it. Don't, don't give up hope if you're in a storm. It's been said that if you're, if you're not currently going through a storm, then you have just come out of one or you're getting ready to go into one. They're parts of life. You're going to have the storms of life. Life is going to get turbulent and rough at times. And sometimes God is the, 
the author of the storm. He has caused the storm, but no matter the storm, he will go through it with you. And, and it's just a wonderful thing that he who caused the storms or calms the storms, no matter what, he goes through the storm with us. And I love this statement. The storms that we go through in life do not have to define us, but they can develop us. We have a culture of people who are defined by their circumstances. And honestly, it drives me up a wall because your circumstances do not define who you are. You are not a victim of your circumstances. You can be defined by the storm or you can allow the storm to develop you. And God's plan, I believe, is to develop you through the storm. And here's the scariest thing for me is that God causes a storm in my life to bring me closer to him. And instead of allowing God to develop me through the storm, I cannot trust him enough to do that. So I fight the storm on my own power and I become a victim. I become defined by the storm and I come out the other side, the same person I went in. And it was a wasted storm. It was a wasted time in my life because I couldn't trust God enough to get me through it better, to allow it to develop me in my Christian faith. That ought to be our prayers. Now, it's a dangerous prayer. I'll be honest with you. They say, be careful what you pray for, and it's true. Because if you pray for that, you may find yourself in a storm. But you have the author of the storm to go through it with you. And he'll get you through the other side, and you'll find when you come out the other side, you, are, you can be developed by what God has put you through. Lastly, number six, and we'll be done. Number one was provision. Number two was redemption. Number three, availability. Number four, instruction. Number five, safety. Number six, his everlasting love. His everlasting love. Notice verse number 43, the last verse in the psalm. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Here's the final point. Those that will honestly observe the goodness of God will have no choice but to recognize how much he loves them. Those that honestly observe the goodness of God in their life will have no choice but to recognize how much God loves them. And I don't know about you, but when I look at my life and I look at what God has given me and how he has blessed me and how he has provided and how he has uh, just trained and brought, I mean, just the pieces have all just fallen together. And I can only say only God, God has done this. And the way that he's blessed me, and I know myself enough to know I don't deserve it. I know myself enough to know that I'm not worth it. But yet he has invested and he has blessed and he has placed me in a perfect place and, and it's all to his glory. And when I sit back and look at my life, I have no choice but to praise him for his love. If he didn't love me, then this would not be possible. The only way that someone can do what God has done for me is if they love that person a lot. And I think if you honestly looked at your life, you would have to say the same. His everlasting love. Jesus loves you and he shows it to you each and every day. But oftentimes we overlook and take for granted God's love. We miss the blessings. We pass over the blessings. And we forget just how much he cares for you and me. And I'm so thankful tonight. I praise him tonight for his everlasting love that he puts on each one of us. Let me just give you a quick review Six powerful promises to praise God for. Number one, his provision. Number two, his redemption. Number three, his availability. Four, instruction. Five, safety. And six, everlasting love. 
And the, the acrostic there is the word praise. We have much to praise God for. He's been so good to us. Let's go into the new year. We're post-Christmas now, so we're looking into 2023. Let's go into 2023 determined to praise God for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word again and the valuable lessons that we learn from it. I pray that You would help us, each one, to go into this new year, 2023, focused on Your goodness and praising You for what You have done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.